Welcome to Inside the Agency. I'm your host, Michelle Govan. I'm your co-host, Nicole Shawcross. I am so happy you have some time to spend with us today. Me too. Happy to we be here. have Danielle Panabaker with us on Inside the Agency, and we are excited because I have known Danielle now for how many years now? Four? Quite a few years. Five? It's been a number of years. It's been a while because when we lived at the Georgia, I know we spent time with you and I haven't been at the Georgia in a couple of years. So it's definitely been a few years. Yeah. Well, we want to talk to you about your start because you have had a very long career for how young you are. Oh, thanks. <laughs> how did you start in the industry? Um, so I was painfully shy as a child, hid behind my mom, all of that. And we also moved every two years. Uh, so we were constantly trying new things and sort of, you know, trying to find a place that fit for us. And we were living outside of Atlanta, Georgia, which at the time was not, you know, the filmmaking hotspot that it is now. And my younger sister and I started doing acting classes. Like it started as an acting camp and then we started doing acting classes and we loved it. And that was, and, and doing um, community theater and mostly children's plays, like plays you've probably never even heard of because they're just specifically for kids, but loved it. um, And basically haven't stopped. How old were you when you started? Oh goodness. I was probably... When we probably about 10, 11, 12 when I was doing theater, and then a little bit older when I started doing things a bit more professionally. Right. How was your first experience on set? I mean, I love being on set. I think it's something that ultimately helped me when I decided to direct and when they gave me that opportunity, but I'm fascinated by how many people it takes to get a television show or to get a movie completed. You know, you sit back, if you ever go to the movies and you sit back, no one's going to the movies anymore. Who are we kidding? But no. whenever you watch a movie- <laughs> We're all sitting you, in our homes watching it from Netflix or something. <laughs> exactly, and at the end of the movie, when the credits roll, Maybe you'd notice, you know, a few names of people who got single cards of, you know, actors, directors, things like that. But the list of people who also worked on the film just goes on and on and on and on. And I am, I've always been fascinated by each individual department's job and their contribution to it. So I love being on set. I truly feel at home there. And you've mentioned that you directed as well. Yeah. That experience for you. It was great. I directed uh, season five of our show, which was fantastic, you know, and directing on Flash specifically was great because I know the show very well. Uh, I have great empathy for directors who come in and, you know, we're at the point in our series where oftentimes, if not most of the time, we have directors who are familiar to us. Um, But coming in, particularly season one, like when a show is still sort of figuring out its vibe and what it is, I I was very lucky that I had five years of experience and I'd shadowed several directors. And so I was also very embraced by my cast and crew, which was fantastic. So I loved it. 
Yeah, I bet. I mean, that's such a nice change for you to definitely cross over. I mean, especially speaking about crossing over, your show has been crossing over with the other universe or within the universe. So you have been a busy lady. Do you want to tell us how that's been? (laughs) I remember, I remember season one when they talked about doing the first crossover and it was, I mean, the first one was just two shows. It was just Flash and Arrow. And it was a couple people from Flash guest starring on Arrow and a couple people from Arrow guest starring on Flash. And even that was a behemoth. I remember in particular one Friday night, one like Thursday, Friday, there were a couple scenes that were broken up and we were filming them over two separate days. And Grant was available to work on Arrow on Thursday, but not on Friday. So we shot his all of his coverage on Thursday and then on Friday we went back and did the same scenes but with a photo double and that was until I remember doing that until the wee hours of the morning and that was a challenge and that was season one and they only (laughs) got worse fast forward to now and you're about to go into your new season and now you have a young little man added to your family so you're not just being a director actress you also are a mother i mean my gosh please give us advice to all actors one about acting and now also (laughs) balancing your career the two i don't know I, i mean i don't know how much advice i have to give i think you know it's a really interesting time going back to work in a global pandemic and mm-hmm. add on top of that, going back to work as a new mom. I don't know that I have any advice. I will take any advice that I can get. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a challenge for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know that I have advice yet. But what was the second part of your question? Well, I was going to say, uh, we definitely want to get advice you have to actors, either starting out or even just spending time years in the industry. But I think I want to go back to something for a sec. You know, what's amazing though, is a couple agent friends of mine and actor friends of mine had children during this time, during the pandemic. And a lot of them were only given six months coverage to get to know their baby. So a bunch of them had their babies about the same time early in the year, and it allowed them to actually have eight or nine months with their child instead of six. So I'm noticing in this pandemic, the one blessing is that mothers are getting a little bit more time with their little ones. I mean, it's true. I, you know, I would have gone to back to work when my baby was quite young. And in my head, I was like, it'll be fine. It's a show that I know. It's a job I'm going back to. I'll be able to handle it. And in hindsight, I would not have been ready to go back to work at 12 weeks or whatever it was. Because, That's you know, insane. obviously here in Canada, things are very different. Um, and in the States, you know, three months maternity leave yeah. is, uh, is if you're lucky, but um, it's also not you're also not paid for maternity leave often in the States. Yes. That's not. I used to work in New York and one of our bosses had a child and I couldn't believe that she was already back to work in such a short period of time. Cause I'm I used mean, to in Canada where you have a, year. a full year. A year. I know it's really remarkable. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, there are a lot of differences between Canada and the U S. <laughs> How is it looking now with the COVID responses? Are you guys going back to work next week? Is it looking like you're getting the results back? Because I know for me, I have five people that just all got pushed this week again. I would say that's the million dollar question, but I think it's actually (laughs) a multi-million dollar question at this point. So here we are. What is this? We're in the second week of October. Um, You know, 
they have been working on ways to get us back to work safely for a long time. And, you know, there were agreements in place between the studios and the unions that said, after consulting with numerous epidemiologists and other scientists, these are the safe ways you can go back to work. Because let's be honest, filmmaking was not meant for social distancing, just <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> really going to be challenging. Yeah. So we, there have been a whole different variety of factors. Um, you know, they were aiming for to first, it, th- it looked like we would go back into production in September and then they were aiming for an October 1st start date. And so, you know, you have to back that up a little bit. You need the actors up here for pre-production, for fittings, and hair and makeup tests and <laughs> rehearsals. Well, and then, so you add for us coming from the U.S. to Canada, there's a two-week quarantine on top of that. And that's, you know, various states and countries all have some version of quarantine. Um, so they, you know, they've been working on this for months and unexpectedly, my understanding is, you know, there's a couple of factors that will allow us to go back to work. That's as much social distancing as possible. I know a lot of people uh, in different departments are working from home now. Anyone who can work from home is working from home. Um, They are doing their best to keep people as socially distant as possible. I understand that everybody's desks now have plexiglass around them, but then there's you know, on set and on yeah. set uh, is is unique. I mean, I don't, it's going to be really interesting. The guidelines are to stay socially distant as possible, you know, to yeah. stay six feet away from people. Um, and everyone, everyone who can be is in PPE. Um, unfortunately, actors fall into the category of can't always be in PPE. So, um, you know, there's testing in place as an additional layer of protection against COVID. And so that piece of keeping everyone safe, they've been struggling with the testing. Um, they've, they've struggled with uh, keeping up with the testing and getting the testing results back in a timely fashion. So that's definitely slowed us down. Uh, I think we all want to get back to work when it's safe. Yeah. So, well, Nicole know. and I can't believe it. I mean, we were going, we were, I was working 14 hour days. I know we were holding on. It's like we were barely above water to get through all the breakdowns, all the emails, get all the appointments, upload everything because everything's self-taped now. No one's going in the room. Mm-hmm. So everything we send out, we're like, yay, we have 50 auditions. We're like, oh my God, tomorrow morning we have 50 auditions to upload. And then whatever's coming at us for the next day. So when this COVID testing Variety article blew up about how the testing was delayed. Everybody was angry. And I think Nicole and I had a moment this morning where we're like, everything slowed down. This is kind of a nice thing for you because we can all now kind of relax a little bit and actually have a breather because I think, which I'm sure production is freaking out. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, I mean, you know, as with most things, there's good and bad in everything. And, you know, the consequences are good for some and tough for others. So I'm glad you guys are finding a chance to catch your breath and really get caught up on stuff. But I also have to imagine, you know, on a show like ours, typically we would bring at least one guest star a week up from the States. And I have to imagine that's changing and that maybe your local actors will be busier than ever. They are. And that's why we used to call out, honestly, because we're a boutique agency, maybe 15 filming 
and TV editions for the following day. We're up to 75, Danielle. Like it's insane. And there is a lot of output from the actors. And unfortunately, we're kind of gone from this very slow lockdown fear moment of what will the business be to the excitement of the business coming back. Now we're in like a third phase where the actors are doing all this great tape and not really seeing the offers coming to them. So it's, it's a bizarre time. That's an actor's life though. When people ask me, when people do say that they want to be an actor, one of the things I often say is if, I mean, one, give it your all. Absolutely. I'm also a big advocate of working on your craft, whatever that looks like. But if you are a person who struggles with rejection, this may not be the career for you because there is so much rejection. I mean, you know, I've been doing this for a little while and especially in the beginning, if you went on a hundred auditions and got one callback, like you were doing great. There's, you know, it is, it can be frustrating as an actor, especially because sometimes it's really easy to take it personally and say, well, what's wrong with me? Why didn't they like me? Um, but that's not the case. I mean, it's so much bigger than that. This is, you know, it is a business, but it's also, we're artists and you have to work hard not to take it too personally, the rejection and that sort of thing. We'd love to hear your advice to actors. You have been doing this for over 20 years. On what have I been doing? No. You said 12. Yeah, I guess when I started doing theater, I don't, oh man. You are young. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I mean, you know, I, I still vividly remember starting and, but also, you know, to your point about self tapes, things have changed so much. And, you know, let's say 15 to 20 years ago, when I started, you had to have your headshot with your resume printed on the back. And you always went in with a headshot and a resume and people haven't carried headshots and resumes in years, right? We still do them here for callbacks when they were in room, even until up about a year ago. But I was reminiscing with another agent a while back saying, do you remember when we had to record people on VHS, like in a self tape? Yes. And you had to record absolutely. back to that you were spot. Terrified. Yeah. You were t- going to tape over a good one. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we've done and that. Tapes <sighs> have changed. Yeah. Good in in some ways because, you know, the ability to put yourself on tape is great. But the flip side is, and I think I also, you know, this came up for me again when I was directing, is that there is something about being in the room with someone and being able to give feedback and being able to give direction. And obviously you can do that even when people are self-taping. It just takes a little bit more time. But that's the problem is, is every casting director sees talent, not just in a, like you said, a first take, but if they redirect you and you give them what they're asking for, they know that they can rely on you to deliver. And all these self tapes are coming in and casting directors don't have time to redirect because guess what's happening? Unless they have like an extra day to cast because then they have to go back to the actor, get them to retape and then come back. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're saying, when you're in room, you have the human connection and you can redirect. Unfortunately, that's been removed temporarily, and we don't know how long that's going to be gone for, which is a oh, shame. Oh, I imagine it'll be a while, which is a shame. I'm told up to another year. I mean, I'm not a scientist. I only play one on TV, so I have <laughs> yes, no idea. Yes, you do. Is <laughs> Caitlin Snow a Flash? I have to say, when I first saw Flash Air, uh, I was like, wow, she is 
so beautiful. You look so young and so beautiful. And now they've made you white hair. Now I know you're, you're not your so young anymore. <laughs> no, well, no. I meant your character has evolved so much. And, you know, yes, she has, which has been great. You know, that's sort of the fun of it. There's a lot of fun about being on a superhero show. And ours in particular, I think, is great because it is grounded into re- in reality, and they have these really authentic, genuine relationships between all the different characters that are that do feel grounded in reality. And then you have this fantastic aspect of people with superpowers, and you get to play with both. And that's you know, I've always said that that's been the real treat of this show. Is a hundred? I mean. 135 episodes later we've done so many different things it's it's really incredible i remember being at the 100th party and just thinking this may never happen again and not because i won't continue to work but like shows don't make you know our first couple seasons we did 23 episodes in a season and that just is not the norm anymore no they're going to 10 max 13 yeah, which is yeah, sad because some of these new shows are only eight to 10 and it's almost like it's not enough. I find the watcher is saying, but that's too short. And now, especially with our delays, we all like, I want to know what's happening in Ozark season four, of course. And that's going to be a year mm-hmm. out. I can't believe it's going to be a year out. But I'm yeah. on, like waiting for Handmaid's Tale. I'm like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Probably you don't want to watch that right now, but <laughs> I was going to say, have you that's seen the series lately? <laughs> no, exactly. I know. I feel like we're living in the reality of Handmaid's Tale. I'm all masked, um, muffled, walking around. But I'm behind on Handmaid's Tale. I'm behind on so much. Having had a baby, you had a baby. I love. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of times, all I have time for is you know the back of my eyelids. I don't think you'll be catching up on any TV anytime soon with going back into full production on Flash. I don't think so either. Are you going to direct okay. the season two? Uh, I don't know. I've, I know they would like me to, and I would like to as well, but the pandemic COVID aspect right. of it, uh, makes everything a challenge. So, you know, at this point, you know, we were supposed to start October 1st and they put a schedule together and you think, okay, you're going to get X number of episodes done before Mm -hmm. our holiday break. And with all the delays, and these are the delays before we've even actually started production. I have to assume more delays will be coming. You know, it's, it's, it's a challenging endeavor because so much of our season has to be very well thought out. You know, again, it's like backtracking. It's like, okay, if they want the show to air, typically if you want a show to air in, October, September, October is when our season premiere usually is, you know, you back up how much time you need for post-production, how much time you need for production, how much time you need for pre-production. And so you're moving backwards. And now it's a constant game of, unfortunately, how quickly can we turn things around to actually get them back on the air, which is great. But, you know, I think we're definitely this is definitely putting us behind for sure. The delays. Yeah. It sounds like so many fun times, doesn't it, Nicole? <laughs> and Danielle, this exciting. Oh, 2020. I thought you were going to be fun. The flip side is, the, oh. the flip side is, and I was talking to my showrunner about this the other day, you know, there are so many new restrictions and I'm, you know, I am grateful that they, in my opinion, are being conscious of COVID and the restrictions and sort of building that into the scripts and, you know, there's different things that we'll have to do differently on the show. And I was sort of excited about it because 
seven years into the show, it's fun. We'll get to use our brains, you know, in a different way. And it's just a new, a new obstacle. Yeah. Well, I love that you're spinning it, finding the silver lining. (laughs) I know when it's funny when Nicole and I say that we had a bit of a break with the COVID testing, we're talking like a day. It's still, this day feels like it's been three days of peace. (laughs) You know, when you get a little bit of moment, like you said, like mom free time, one hour feels like a day. It's feeling true. Oh my God. Well, I look at some of my actors that have started as children actors and they very much, they grow very differently than an actor that starts in the twenties or thirties. Like, do you feel that having all of that history as a child actor has really benefited you? Did you feel like you missed out on anything? Like, I'm curious your spin on it. I mean, in what context? So, you know, I mean, if you look at it on a purely sort of numerical, practical standpoint when you are, so I was probably, I was in my head, I was like 14 or 15 when I started acting. And at that point, there are not that many 14 or 15 year old girls who are auditioning for each role Mm -hmm. because I was fortunate enough that my parents allowed us to act and, you know, supported us pursuing this dream of ours. And so at that point, if they're looking for a 16-year-old girl, you're maybe one of a hundred. If they're looking for an 18-year-old girl, then maybe you're one of a thousand. And if they're looking for, you know, a 22-year-old girl, you're one of a million at that point, because there's so many more people who are, have trained our training and who are interested in the job. So in that sense, I do think I had an advantage that I started younger um, and was able to sort of make a name for myself. And people knew who I was. And I did have, you know, I had a reel and could say and show some of the work I'd done. So in that sense, it certainly helped me. Um, I do think I had, I do think train, I think habits that I got into when I was younger didn't necessarily serve me when I was older. And I definitely feel like I had to change and grow as an actor in order to keep up with the roles that I wanted to be playing. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I good and bad in everything. Yeah, of course. How did you feel like you transitioned as an actor in regards to the roles that you were going to before versus the roles that you were going for when you got a little bit older? I think it's sort of a natural progression. You know, when you think about, an 18 year old and you think about a 22 year old, those are two very different life stages. And I also think that the more life experience I have and hopefully the more depth I have as a person, I can bring that to my roles. And I think it's just a matter of, you know, every actor has to find their version of, you know, how they work. It's maybe you're drawing from your own experiences. Maybe you're using your imagination, whichever it is. But personally, I did feel like the more life experience I had, the more I had to draw on. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, our favorite of, moments. A lot of different projects for a variety of different reasons. I mean, one of the first projects I ever worked on was an HBO miniseries called Empire Falls. And um, my parents, I played the daughter of Ed Harris and Helen Hunt and the granddaughter of Paul Newman. Yeah, not a bad family. Absolutely, (laughs) Paul Newman, still my favorite. Unfortunately, deceased heartthrob. Oh, so so beautiful. (laughs) Um, I loved him. 
Um, so, you know, that was such a magical experience for a variety of reasons. You know, the caliber of actors I was working with, um, is, I will probably never get that again in my career. And it was, uh, we were filming in Maine in the fall and it was gorgeous. And that director in hindsight, I think he's part of the reason that I love being on set so much, Fred Skepsi. Because at that point, I hadn't really, I was so young. I hadn't really been on set before. He would let me watch him edit because he was editing on the weekends and point things out to me. You know, when you crinkle, when you crinkle a prop over your line, you can't hear your line, which you don't think about in the moment as you're acting and trying to be in the moment. But it ruins a take if you can't actually hear what you're saying, because either it ruins the take or you're going to have to go back and fix it later with ADR. So you're not getting the true genuine performance. So I learned a lot from him on that movie. I did a movie for Disney called Sky High um, with another unbelievable uh, group of actors, um, Nick Braun, Michael Angarano, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, like truly fantastic actors. And that was so fun. That was, you know, probably sort of the equivalent of my high school experience. Um, and then I did a movie called Friday the 13th, which was a horror movie, but most of my friends in LA, I know because of that movie, I know my husband because of that movie. So, uh, you know, that one also has a special place in my heart too. And flash. I mean, I've, again, to be on season seven of a television show, I'm so incredibly lucky. And, to have gotten the opportunity to direct on this show, it will always be really special to me. You got to direct one of our clients too. <laughs> oh, How yes. funny is that? I yes, know. I thought that was so ironic. She knew, and I think she knew I was pregnant, even though I was desperately trying to hide it. Yes, she did. She had a <laughs> feeling. She didn't know. She had a feeling. Isn't that funny? I know. It's really funny. But I do like no. No, exactly. No. That's, I work mostly with men and, and, you know, I think if any of them, you know, they just don't think about these things in the same way. I know. They're like, oh, she's bloated. <laughs> I, I truly don't even think they do. Yeah. No, that's a good incredible. costume designer too. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, are you excited to get back? I am excited. I'm, I will give it with the caveat of, I am excited to get back safely. Um, I think that that is, you know, nothing is as important as protecting each other and making sure everyone stays safe and healthy. Um, so I am excited to get back to work. Again, I do think it's going to be sort of a different world when we yeah. go back, um, you know, and hopefully everyone has patience and grace for each other because it's like we've been, you know, we've been riding a tricycle for seven years and now we got to learn how to ride a unicycle. Like yeah. it's going to be hard. There are new challenges. I mean, and that's an oversimplification of what we're heading into, but, uh, I am excited. I find something that I'm noticing more and more with actors is because we've all, and even agents, anyone in the industry, because we've all been basically sequestered for so long that when you see people again or where you go to set again. It's always this awkward, like, I can't hug you, but hi, it's like hip check or an elbow know, bump or- I miss hugs. Yes. And it's this, I think a lot of us have almost experienced this desocialization that we have to almost learn how to socialize in a very different, safe way. And as we know, being creative and being on set, I mean, there's supposed to be a connection. You guys need, you know, one, your family after seven seasons, but it's, it is such a weird, bizarre thing. And 
you know, in Vancouver, our weather's about to go so cold. So most of the sets that have been filming since June were at least having picnics outside with everyone six feet apart. So you could still kind of lunch together, but soon it's going to be everybody in your trailer, go to your corners, you know? It's Where true. We've already been instructed to do that. I mean, that's, you know, what we're being told is to be socially distant. The lunch tents have chairs that have been appropriately measured to be six feet apart. You're not to move the chairs, you know? It's hard. Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely going to be different. But like I said, I do think everyone's, and I'm on the conservative side of things because I have an infant at home, but I do think everyone's safety is paramount. It really is. And that's why we keep advising our actors that, you know, if you are an actor and you want to work, it's really important that your personal time, you are being safe because everything you are doing, you are bringing to that set and to that family that you love so much or that job. And we want to keep all film sets going safe. So it's true. I was on a call with SAG, our union the other day, and they said basically the same thing. I said, you know, if you decide that you want to do a stunt, you're putting, you're making a choice to put your life in danger. But if you decide, if you make choices that could get you sick with COVID, you're also affecting those around you. I know. It's not just about you. It's, you know, the other, everyone's lives around you that you're putting at risk as well. Yeah. What a different time. Yeah. Oh, I miss hugs too. (laughs) (laughs) I kept trying to hug my dog and she was not having it. (laughs) both nicole and i are solo with dogs but nicole's dog at least is what 50 pounds mine she's 50 pounds but she does she does not like to get hugs she's fine to be like cuddled but don't bother giving her her personal space yeah (laughs) so i know nicole and i were talking about asking you a question that we thought you might be able to shed some advice to actors you know a lot of actors struggle finding the right agent and since you've started you started so young. What have you really experienced with agents and managers that you really appreciate? And what are some of the things that are red flags for you? We just thought we'd throw that out there. Yeah. I mean, so I have had a variety of different agents and managers over the years. I will say my team now, I mean, my agent I've been with, I know we celebrated our 10 year anniversary together, probably two years ago. So my agent I've been with at least 12 years and my manager I've been with at least seven. So I've been with them for quite a while. Um, But, you know, in the beginning, the career that, you know, it's it's a challenging career. And my biggest piece of advice would be to find someone you connect with. And it's sort of like dating. It's a little bit hard because you have to marry someone really quickly, or I guess (laughs) it's like you jump, you're exclusive with someone really quickly. Um, So, you know, it's, to me, it's always been about the person. It's someone you connect with and feel like you can talk to and feel like understands you. You know, this is a person who's going to be who is effectively your biggest cheerleader because they're out there advocating for you, but they're also sometimes your toughest critic. Like I've certainly sent tapes in and had someone on my team say, look, I think you can do better. I think, I think you should take another stab at this. So for me, it's gotta be a good balance of both someone who is supportive and understands you and who you are, but also someone who is going to be honest with you and not just tell you what you want to hear and not just say that tape was cool great. Um, so, uh, I think a big red flag and I hope people don't do this anymore, but I know when I was a kid, there would be, uh, 
actor or agents or managers who would insist on a fee up front. And that to me is a red flag. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, again, to go back to my analogy of dating, it's about who do you connect with? It's who, who do you feel like you want to talk to about everything? Yeah. I love that you brought up the bit of the tough love part because we're really blunt when we handle <laughs> acting careers. And like, same thing, I'll see a tape and I'm like, oh, I feel like it's just off. And when I send them that those notes back, I don't want them to be like, wow, she just doesn't see my art. She doesn't see what I was trying to put through. And said most of the actors handle it really well and go, you know what? I'll give it another stab. And then it's pretty amazing the few notes I'll throw out there and be like, I think we're just off the mark a touch. Why don't you try this? And then we'll watch the second tape. And it's like, there it is. Boom. The magic. You feel it. You feel the change. So absolutely. It's good. But I will say on the flip side, I've also had conversations with people on my team where I've been like, this is my take on it. Like maybe this is not the take that they're looking for, but this is my version of this girl. Yeah. And I think that's also important for actors to stand behind if they feel like they've done good work. And, you know, I know Michelle's given notes before and um, they said, nope, this is my tape and I believe in it. And so we, you know, go for it. Yeah. I think that's probably happened once to me, but Mm -hmm. it certainly, you need to be, feel like you're in a safe place and can have those conversations. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't argue with me. But when they do, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) No, I agree too. I think finding an agent, a lot of people, I think it's sad. I hear so many actors say, well, I only had two to choose from, or I only had three to choose from, no matter if it's CAA and William Morris Endeavor, or if it's our paradigm, or if it's, you know, in Canada, characters, Lucas Red. you know what I mean? It's, it's sad when there's an agent you really want to work with. And for some reason, they are just not biting. And it's like you said, it's like finding a partner. And I feel actors settle all the time in reps instead of just waiting a little bit longer to hopefully catch that great rep. Yeah, it's tough. It's such a tough thing too, because it's also like, you know, how, how do you know that that next rep is coming or is going to be better? I think it is another situation where you sort of have to trust your instincts. A hundred percent. It's like a job. Sometimes those jobs will come up. I'm sure this has happened to you where your agent will call you and say, Hey, look, I've got a job for you on a movie or a series. It's only this many days, but it's in the middle of November, let's say a month down the road. And you're like, well, how do we know we're not going to get something better? But do you absolutely coin toss and go, do we take it and gamble or do we let it go and gamble? It's like both a gamble. So yes, whether it's a absolutely. job agent, a hundred percent, we're all about trusting your instincts and just don't yeah. make a decision and, that doesn't feel right. And the other thing too, to remember is like, you know, it can feel like you're jumping into a relationship fairly quickly because you do. <laughs> yeah. I think I assume it's this way up here, but like you have to be exclusive with your agent, but if it doesn't work out, that's okay. And you, you know, I don't know that you break up at the first red flag. I think there's op- opportunities to say, Hey, this isn't working for me. Can we do this differently? But if it's not working, that's okay. It's not working. And yeah. I think, I think the handful of times I've had to move on from being with an agent or manager and it wasn't working, that agent or manager knew it wasn't working too. So that conversation was not a surprise. <laughs> Agree. <laughs> it never usually is. No. Yeah. So, was a See, so if it's not working for you, it's probably not working for the other person. Or you can kind of sense, you can sense too when, when an actor is not feeling it or not doing well, like, you know, I know Michelle has a sixth sense. She can tell when stuff's going down. 
Yeah. And <laughs> very well, intuitive. I, you know, to bring up your family one more time, you have one of the most amazing husbands who I've been working with for years. Oh, and I have to say, it must I be nice to so. also have such great advice at home that you can banter about work <laughs> and, you know, it share is. in kind it's, of those decisions. It is. And it's a nice balance for us because we don't do the same thing, but we both have appreciation for um, what the other does. I don't know that I'm great at taking his advice, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Maybe I should be doing that more than I do. Um, but yes, we are very, I feel very lucky. Absolutely. You are a strong, independent woman. <laughs> yes. You don't need to remind him of that. Oh, it's good. <laughs> hey, so am I. That's why I'm single. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Nicole, do you want to ask you one of your favorite questions? I do. Um, what advice would you give your younger self getting into the industry? Hmm. What advice would I give myself getting into the industry? And maybe this is just advice I would give to my younger self in general, but it's, you're going to be okay. It will be okay. I think I'm a super sensitive person and a very emotional person. That's probably why I ended up doing what I do. Um, and at times things can certainly feel overwhelming and very big, but it's going to be okay. Um, yeah, I think that's the best advice that I would give. You know, I don't know about getting into more specifics because my career has changed and evolved over so, over all these different years. You know, I think the other piece of advice that I do give, and I think I held true, held true for me was um, to constantly be studying and working on your craft, whatever that looks like. You know, there are periods where the last six months, for example, if I wasn't at home caring for a baby. I don't, I think you have to find other outlets in terms of how to keep that creative fire going. I was reading Dr. Seuss books at nauseum for the last six months, but you know, <laughs> every, every artist I'm sure found a different way to sort of have a creative outlet. And you know, that could be social media for some, um, but it is about finding a way to keep working on your craft, whatever that is. I feel like I have to tell myself constantly right now, like it's all going to be okay. There have been those nights where I'm just like, what is going on here? I mean, like I said, yeah. Nicole and I are so grateful that the business is back and that everything's full speed ahead. It just kind of went, it was almost like pilot season on steroids. In a way it's never been. Well, because so many shows yeah. are coming up here too. I mean, I'm sure a quick Google search would, would show you how many different shows or movies were supposed to film somewhere else and mm -hmm. then uh, changed and came to Vancouver. And we're getting I more. got that text a few times of, oh man, so now we're coming to Vancouver. What do we do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was 50 shows that got pushed up to Vancouver from the state. So good for us. <laughs> Yeah, the flip side is, you know, you look at all the shows, if there were, let's say there were 30 shows that typically shot here in a year, mm -hmm. uh, they are now all starting within the same little window. So I'm curious, I'm, again, we're very lucky that most of our crew has come back, um, yeah. but you know, what it's like staffing up other shows or crewing well, up other shows. I think this is the other thing that people have to realize is trailers are limited. Like even if you book a large role now, they're putting you in maybe a triple if you're lucky, but most of the time a honey, even if you're doing a big role, just because there's no trailers. That's we, we're not yeah, there's no trailers. for this. Yeah. They're trying to bring them up, I believe from Alberta and Saskatchewan and other areas that really aren't getting the populated shows that we're getting. Uh, but it's, it's 
so wild. Everything. One of our clients recently booked a lead on a movie of the week and she had to self-drive to the location. And then she had to self-drive to any of the areas they were filming that day. There was no yeah. transport even in between. So you jump back in your car yeah. with your PPE and you drive yourself to the next location. And she said it was the most bizarre thing, but welcome. I to have an idea. If people are coming up from the States, they need to get their own trailers. They can quarantine in them and then be set on set. <laughs> oh trailers. my God, you're hilarious. And there's like, talk about a lack of a work-life balance. At that oh, yeah, no, you're just, yeah. <laughs> you're in four walls for a long time. Quarantine. Speaking of that, I've had a couple clients come up and actually get scammed on their Airbnbs. So oh. they have had to go quarantine in hotel rooms and just, it's so upsetting that this is happening. So actors out there, if you're coming up to Vancouver or wherever you're going, make sure that you Google map where they're saying the keys are going to be located. Cause most of the time people are turning up and they're there's not, there's a warehouse, not an apartment, wow. <laughs> 7-Eleven instead of a home. So yeah, new time. Yeah. That was hard for us. We had to rent the place we're living in sight unseen, but fortunately we had a friend come check it out. But yeah, I can imagine that would be hard. Cause I also heard like the Sutton, which you are both familiar with, um, mm-hmm. the Sutton won't let you quarantine there. If you have a dog, I heard. They won't. So yeah, everything's, you know, everything's a little different. I'd be curious about the training, the type of training or coaches that you've worked with and what you find most valuable for your own craft. Cause I know you were talking about. Oh yeah. I mean, I've worked, with, I've worked with a variety of coaches over the years and that was the interesting thing. So when I started acting, when I was younger, I have a younger sister who was also an actress at the time. And she and I were constantly taking acting classes and we both um, connected or resonated with different teachers. She and I would take the same class and I would love it and she would hate it or she would love it and I would hate it. And it was just a really interesting lesson that everybody, everybody responds to things differently. And I think I've needed different acting coaches at different points in my career. You know, as a kid, the focus was always on being really natural and being a really natural actor. So it didn't feel like you were a little robot performing. So I worked with coaches for that. And then, you know, as I got older, different coaches in LA and then at different points in time, you know, if I felt like I needed to be working on comedy a little bit more, I, I trained with a guy named Gary Austin who helped on the groundlings. Um, you know, it's, it's, I've given classes a try. I've, uh, I went to a class in LA, uh, I've had bad experiences and I've had good experiences. So, you know, and it's often meant pushing myself outside of my comfort zone too, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is important, even though it can be painful at the time. Do you do Zoom coaching or do you do coaching when you're up here on Flash? So I have historically, uh, my acting coach uh, actually just retired, which I'm incredibly oh, sad about. And oh no. he just did it over the pandemic. So I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, because again, also being up here, I was often making self tapes with him and yeah. sending them back for projects I was interested in over the hiatus and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's hard. It's funny. I find a lot of coaches really struggle to jump on Zoom and all their new online platforms. And now it's open the coaching worldwide to actors. So it's kind of cool. If you want to study Meisner in New York, you can now online. If you want to study coach in LA, you can now online. Yeah. I mean, they had to go online. So it's, it's a whole new world. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, Glenn is his name, Glenn Haynes. He's fantastic. Um, And he's been so great at working online with me for so many years. I'm really happy he's retired, but I'm sad for me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah. Well, it's always we, tough. It's like anyone from your team when you, when you lose someone or move on, it's, it's always difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But also again, I sometimes maybe sound super Pollyanna. So apologies about this, but maybe it is the sign that like, I need to switch it up and do something new and try mm-hmm. something else. Not Pollyanna at all. I was just going to say that. <laughs> like I always say, Nicole and I talk about if an actor gets dropped from an agency, you can't even a, a large actor in LA, if you're not keeping up with the times or somehow your attitude's conflicting with your agent, you get dropped. Some people take it as such a devastation. Same with a younger actor getting dropped. And sometimes it's the best thing that could possibly happen because that next agent that you you find is so much better for you. The relationship is changed, shifted, and who you were when you first started working with someone, whether a coach or agent, now you've grown and maybe you need to be seen differently. And that new agent or coach will help that transition happen. So absolutely, everything happens for a reason, right? I have been... I've been trying to get you on this podcast. So thank you for spending the time. And I need to come (laughs) and meet that babe of yours and definitely bring over a bottle of wine. So we'd love to see you. Let's do it before the weather gets to snow. 